I will invite you, you know, if you've ever, never seen the Web Yeshiva, you should take a look. The Web Yeshiva is the greatest thing since apple pie. It's for computers. <laughs> if there's a computer in your life, then it's for you. But maybe there's no computer in your life. Okay. We'll look at the sheet. The sheet, the sheet mentions several psukim in this parsha. <coughs> the beginning, dvarim perakutet pasukhet. An interesting idea. Im yachiv Hashem elokecha et gvulecha, et gvulcha, kasher nishbar laavotecha, v'netan lecha et kol ha'aretz asher diber la'teit laavotecha. It was Moshe Rabbeinu was talking to Bnei Yisrael. Bnei Yisrael is on their way to Eretz Yisrael. And the land of Eretz Yisrael was promised to the children of Avram Avinu at the time of the Brit Bein Habitari. HaKadosh Baruch said to Avram Avinu, you get the land. Your Zerah, those who are your descendants, they get the land. That's what the Torah says. And here the Torah says something a little bit different. It says, Im yachiv, ve'im yachiv. Now the word ve'im is not an easy word to understand. Right? It, it's often translated to English as if. If, if means if it happens, and maybe it won't happen. But Chazal usually trans the word, translate the word im as kishet. When it happens. Not if it happens, but when it happens. The Pasuk says, If Hashem Elokecha increases your borders. Now we know that the borders of Eretz Yisrael are not, it's not simple. Like if you had to answer that question, where are the borders of Eretz Yisrael? So you know that there are the borders of the conquest of Yoshua. There is the territory of the two and a half Shvatim that inherited part of the east, eastern side of the Jordan. There's Syria, Syria which was captured ultimately by David HaMelech. But then there's also a much larger area which we call Gvulot HaHaftacha. Was besides the real, besides the real of the inheritance of Eretz Israel, there's also a haftacha, which is much bigger and goes approximately from the Nile to the Euphrates. Now you may not know where these rivers are, you should, but you know that the Nile is to the west of Eretz Israel. And the Euphrates, the Prat, is way to the east of Eretz Israel. So that if all the territory between the Nile and the Prat was the territory of Am Yisrael, so that Eretz Israel would be much bigger than any Eretz Israel we ever heard of. So that's called Vulot Haftacha. There's a promise that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made. And the promise that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made to Avram Avinu was that Eretz Yisrael would be 
very big. But here's Moshe Rabbeinu, and Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to Bnei Yisrael on the eve of their entry into Eretz Yisrael, and he's directing them, and he's talking to Yoshua, and he's talking about all kinds of subjects. Uh, uh, primary amongst them, the danger that Bnei Yisrael are going to face when they come to Eretz Yisrael, because Eretz Yisrael is a land that is populated by idolaters. And since it's populated by idolaters, they're going to be, they're going to have this crunch. There'll be this crunch of idolatry versus Am Yisrael, right? There'll be this problem, and Moshe Rabbeinu speaks about it again and again. Here in this Pasuk, Moshe Rabbeinu says, Im Yarchiv Hashem Ed So let's translate the word Im as Kesheh. When this happens, Kasher Nishba'ala in fulfillment of the oath that HaKadosh Baruch Hu took, so to speak, when he spoke to the Avot. So that means, obviously that means, that Bnei Yisrael, when they go into Eretz Yisrael, will not be able to conquer all of Eretz Yisrael. They will, they, they're going to be, you know, they'll be able to conquer whatever they conquer. And that conquest of Eretz Yisrael by Yoshua ben Nun will be divided up amongst the tribes in Eretz Yisrael. But that's not going to be the whole story. There's a lot more that is not going to be conquered. Then Pasuk Tet says, Ki tishmor et kol ha-mitzvah azot la-sota, asher anoch mitzavcha ayom la-avat, asher melokecha lelechem bedrachav kol ha-yamim, in other words, you'll have to, when you keep the Torah, and you keep the mitzvot, so the land of Israel will increase, and you'll have to make three more arei miklat. In other words, the Moshe Rabbeinu is discussing arei miklat here, within the context of the notion of conquest. Not the din. Arei Miklat, you know that if somebody kills somebody, Bishogeg, and then he runs away, and uh, not Bishogeg, if he kills somebody, and it's not clear, and there's a Goel Adam, and uh, you know, so you can run away to the Arei Miklat. You can run away to the Arei Miklat. You remember that. Now the Arei Miklat, what's the connection between Arei Miklat and the conquest of Eretz Yisrael, well, because the Torah says, the Torah says that Moshe Rabbeinu himself established three of Arei Miklat, three of the Arei Miklat on the eastern side of the Jordan River. And then he left instructions to set up three more cities of Arei Miklat on the western side of the Jordan River. And now Moshe Rabbeinu says, says, if the conquest, this larger conquest takes place, you'll have to set up three more Arei Miklat, which would make all in all nine. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. So now let's look at, uh, <coughs> let's look at the Rashi. Rashi says, Vim Yarchiv, Kasher Nishba L'Teitacha Eretz Keini, Uknizi, V'Kadmoni. So, so Rashi reminds us, what are we talking about? What's the, what land are we going to conquer? We're going to conquer the land of the Kaini, the Knisi, and the Kadmoni. Yes, after the Chaot Shalosh Reitesha, Shalosh Be'eva Yardain, 
right? Three on the eastern side of the Jordan. V'shalosh sheve'eretz kena'an. V'shalosh la'atid lavo. So according to Rashi, there is this a, a prophecy that has to do with the far away future. It's not Yoshua Binun who's going to do this, but eventually Am Yisrael will conquer land that was promised to them. Which land was promised to them? The Kani, the Kizi, the Kadmoni. That's the land that was promised to Bnei Yisrael. Now if you turn over the page, you turn over the page and you look at Bereshit. Bereshit at the top of uh, side 2 at the top. Bereshit Perak Tetvav. Bereshit, this is the Brit Bein Habitari. Right? This is what, this is what it says. Vayomahu Karat Hashem Et Avram Brit Lemor. There was this covenant. A Brit. The word covenant is a fancy word, but it means actually an agreement. An agreement between God and Avram Avinu. I told you these are the gvulot of the haftacha. This is like God says, ultimately, this is Eretz Yisrael. From the Nahar uh, Mitzrayim, which is what we call the Nile, Ad Haprat, which is what we call the Euphrates. Et hakeni, et hakinizi, et hakadmoni. That's what the pasuk says. Hashem says to Abraham Avinu, keni, knizi, kadmoni. And then he says, chiti, prizi, rifaim. Emori, et haknani, et hagirgoshi, et hayivusi. So how many are there all together? As any Kabbalist knows, there are ten. The ten are divided up into two groups. Right? The first group has how many in it? Three. And the second group has how many in it? Seven. So there you are. It's a Kabbalistic promise. Because everybody knows that the first three spherot, the first three spherot, which are? Keser, Chochma, Bina. Right? Those are the first three spherot. You're allowed to know this. Don't worry. Nothing will happen. But everybody knows that the first three Svirot are very elusive. Very hard for us to understand. Because the closer you are to God, the harder it is to understand. And the bottom three Svirot, which are Chesed, Vur, Teferet, Beisachot, Yisod, Malchut, those Svirot are easier for us to understand. Chesed, we understand, we can't exactly say that the chesed that we do is the same as the chesed that HaKadosh Baruch does with us, but we understand that there might be a connection. So when HaKadosh Baruch promised Avram Avinu, the land of Israel, he defined the land of Israel, he HaKadosh Baruch defined the land of Israel in two ways. One was from point A until point B. From the Nahar Mitzrayim until the Prat. From the west to the east. That's how Kodesh Baruch told Avram Avinu. 
But then, HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Avram Avinu in a different way. He said, the land that you're going to inherit, that you, B'nai Yisrael, that your children, right, your, your progeny will inherit, will consist of the land of the Kedi, the Knizi, and the Kadmoni, right, those three nations, and then seven nations, in two different psukim. In two different psukim. So that if you wanted, that's what I wanted, I just want to tell you, if you wanted to say that the promise already indicates to B'nai Yisrael that it's not all going to come, you know, they say is a piece of cake. It's not just going to all become Eretz Yisrael all at once, but the Kenkeni and the Knizi and the Kadmoni, them, to conquer them, is going to be elusive and more difficult than conquering the other seven uh, uh, tribes. So there are certain uh, like, uh, like little difficulties, but let's look at Rashi. Rashi here is like dealing with interesting philosophical conquest, interesting philosophical idea. Is there a difference when it comes to Kaddish between thinking about doing something and doing it? Right? For us, for us, we know that there's a distinction. Right? We're learning Hilchus Truma, but so you know that thinking about robbing the gas station is not the same as robbing the gas station. Right? Not the same. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, thinking about and it being, like the thought happening, is sort of the same thing. So Rashi says, Rashi says that that's why the Pasuk says, Lezaracha Natati, as though it's already given. Because when God promises something, that promise is certainly going to be fulfilled. So if God promises all this land to the children of Avram Avinu, then uh, it's certainly going to happen. Hanahar Hagadol Nahar Prat, Lefishu Davuk Eretz Yisrael Karuhu Gadol. This Gemara says this. Why is it called Nahar Hagadol? Because it, it's the boundary. Davuk means to be glued. It's glued to Eretz Yisrael. It's the boundary of Eretz Yisrael. Kira'uhu gadol, afopishuhu mu'uchar, ba'arban naharot, hayotzim me'edin. Even though Prat was the last this, uh, river mentioned in the creation of the four rivers who come from Eden, shenemar, v'hanahar harvihu Prat. So you would assume that the, the, the river mentioned at the end in the Pasuk is probably the smallest river. You mentioned first the biggest river, then the smallest river. Rashal had Yot, Eved Melech, Melech, had Beit Lishachavah, So he says, uh, you know, Eved Melech is a Melech. Why is an Eved Melech a Melech? Because the Eved Melech, he goes around with the Melech, and he carries his... Uh, he carries his purse. You have this kind of special job. The Eved Melech had. Did you ever wonder how the, you know, like if the Melech has to have a, find the Kartisiyah to go on the bus? So how does he find it? I mean, kings never carry anything. He says, a guy who carries his Kartisiyah for him. Right? So this guy has to be next to the Melech because the Melech makes a on-the-spot decision to go on a bus. He needs his Kartisiyah. 
So the melech, the me, but the, meanwhile the melech is walking around and everybody's bowing down to the melech. So the Ebed melech, he feels they're all bowing down to him. Right, so, so it's not bad if you have to be, if you have to be a Kartisiya holder, the best thing to do is to hold it for the king. And not for some guy, and not for some guy who, uh, who you don't know and no one else knows. So that's why the Prat is called Nahar Hagadol. It was Rashi has some kind of an issue, he doesn't understand why the Prat is called Nahar Hagadol. After all, it's mentioned last in Breshit, which means it was the Nahar Katan. He says, he says what he says, okay? This is like Rashi. Rashi takes care of problems as they come up. Right? Something happens in the text, here's Rashi, to the rescue. And then in Pasuk Yutet, it goes and lists the, Yutet and Kav lists the seven uh, uh, nations, right? Pasuk Yutet, Tani, Knizi, and Kadmoni. And then Pasuk Kav, the other seven. So Rashi says, Eser Umot Yeshkan, Velo Natan Lahem Ela Shiva Goyim. In other words, there are ten listed. But when Yoshua captured Eretz Yisrael, they only captured the land of seven nations. Vashlosha, Edom Umoav Amon. In other words, at a later time, this the, the Medrash already proves this, that at a later time, the nations that were once called Keni, Kenizi, and Kadmoni, were called at a later time Edom, Moab, and Ammon. Edom, Moab, and Ammon were not captured immediately, but they were captured later. They will be inherited in the, in the future. So that this Rashi in Bereshit Perekhet Vav explains very well very well, the pasuk in Dvarim Perek Yutet, Ve'im Yarchiv Hashem Elokecha Et Gulcha, and we understand that Ve'im Yarchiv must mean Kishe Yarchiv, because it goes back to a promise. It doesn't go back to an option. It's not something that may happen or may not happen, but it's something that must happen, and something that must happen. Uh, we have to translate Im Yarchiv Hashem Elokecha Ed Givulcha. Okay. Now let's look at the at the Medrash. If you look upside two, Breshit Rabbah Medrash. Rabbi Dustai B'Shem Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachman Amar. Do you see that? I just, I happen to have brought the Medrash with me. I think Mem Dalit Kaf Gimel. Just one second. This is a wonderful uh, edition of the Medrash. There are very few, you know, all editions of books promise to make them very clear. Like you just look at it and you understand everything, and then you're disappointed when that's not the case. But this measures this, so I don't know who the company you put it out is. Somebody named Avram Steinberger. 
Uh, unfortunately, it has many volumes. And books then sets that have many volumes, first they cost a lot of money, and then you don't have any place to put them. But let's say neither of those problems were uh, very serious in your world, this would be a good purchase. Because the standard edition of the Medrash Rabbah with the uh, commentaries is often very hard to read. And when you can't read it, so it's certainly hard to understand. I mean, that's like, uh, it goes without saying. You know, people sort of get used to reading things and not understanding them, but that's not the best option. So it says, Rabbi Dustai, follow along. You follow along. Also, this is vocalized, by the way. This, what I'm reading, is vocalized. And you know that in, in recent years, we've all discovered that we don't know how to read. And so there's somebody did this bracha, you know, had just made a decision that they're going to vocalize everything. And it, it happens to be quite helpful. You know, even though people, you know, tend to think that uh, you never show weakness, you know, this sort of this idea of never show weakness. Well, I can tell you that uh, I find it a mechayim to read a vocalized text. But this page comes to you from the, the benefit of the Bar Ilan CD-ROM and they don't give it to you vocalized. Right? So this is the edition that recently came out and there it is vocalized. Rabbi Dustai B'Shem Rabbi Shmuel Bar Nachman Amar Okay, this is a secondary problem. There's, uh, like, how did the Rifaim get into the seven nations? Like, Rifaim is somebody else. That's Og Melech Abashan. How did they get in? So they said, okay, they put them in instead of, instead of the Chivi. Instead of the Chivi. It's not our, our issue. Then the Medrash goes on and says, Rabbi Chelbo b'shem Rabbi Abba b'shem Rabbi Yochanan, kacha lo ala b'dato shel makom l'anchil em Yisrael eretz asara amamem. That kach alta, kach ala b'dato shel makom. This is what God thought to do. This is what God intended to do. He says, Right, seven plus three. That was what God intended to do. But God only gave them seven. He says, God originally intended to give them ten, but in fact only gave them in the time of Yoshua seven. He says, Why? Why only seven? By right? this is our Pasuk in Dvarim in the parish of Shoftim. Rabbi Omer, Arviyah, Shalmayah, Nevatiyah. In, in other words, the question was, which are the three that they didn't get? Now we know that the three they didn't get were the Kani, the Knizi, 
and the Kadmoni. So what is the, what's the answer in the Midrash? Well, the Kedi, the Kedisi, and the Kadmoni, they changed their names. They became Ammon and Moab. But at a later date, at the time that the Midrash was written, they said, well, where are these? Where are they now? Right? Like, what do we call them? Ammon and Moab, right? What do we call them? So they, so Rabbi Omer, Arviya, Shalmaya, Nevatiya, right? Nevatiya are, are the Nabataeans. I don't know if any of you have ever been to the Sela Ha'adom. No? Don't say that I said you should go. I didn't say. You went to the Sela Ha'adom? Sela Ha'adom, Sela Ha'adom is Nabataean country. The Nabataeans were tribes who spoke a kind of Aramaic. And they didn't hang in, in history. In other words, they came to an end. But they did leave us pots. You know, pots on which they wrote incantations. They would have been better off sending a few of their guys to medical school. But instead, they spent all their time writing incantations on pots in a kind of an Aramaic dialect. So, so that's who they are. They're the Arabs, Arvaya, Shalmaya, Nevataya, Rabbi Shimon Yochanan Amar, Darmuskus, Ve'asya, Ve'aspamya. Right, these are all names that we've heard about in the Gemara and that are similar to modern day names like Aspamya. Sounds like Spain. Right, sounds like. Rabbi Lozabe, Yaakov, Ve'asya, Ve'teraki, Ve'kartegino. Right, Asya. I guess is Asia. Turkey, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's uh, Turks. And what's Cartagena? Maybe it's Carth. What? Carthago? Carthage. Maybe. Rabbonad Amre Edom Umoav. Vereshit Benei Amone Mashlosha Shalonitad Lehem Ba'olam Azeh Edom Shene'emar Kiloet Helem Habeyatel Yerusha And now we have Psukim. That indicate that even though God promised us this land, God also said it elsewhere that we're not going to get it. Because Har Seir, Esav inherited Har Seir. So Esav inherited Har Seir. We get it. The inheritance of Esav and Har Seir was under the auspices of God. Do not attack. Do not come out against Moab. Well, you don't attack them. You don't come out against them. You're not going to inherit them. I mean, that's, that's Pshito. Knizi hume Esav. Keni vikadmoni hume Amon. Umoav. Okay, so in other words, in other words, the Medrash says that if you look carefully at the Chumash, you'll see that the same land that was promised to Avram Avinu was also promised to Esau, to Ammon, and to Moab, and therefore they inherited legitimately. They inherited that land in Eretz Canaan. So how is it possible for B'nai Yisrael to inherit it? I mean, it's like a little different than Rashi. Well, different than the way the Rashi's attitude. So Lord comes the Medrash, and the Medrash says, it says, uh, 
יחסרו ויהיו ישראל כדי לקיים מאמרו של הקדוש ברוך הוא that in the ימות המשיח ימות המשיח you know is the is either the end of history right the, it was when everything is as it should be and if everything and if included in everything is as it should be is the fact that these three uh, nations become the territory of Eretz Canaan that's inherited by Am Yisrael he says uh, that God's promise will not have been in vain and that's another pasuk in Dvarim Shiva Goyim Rabim Vatsumim Mimeka that's all you get that's all you get now you get seven in other words the three according to the Medrash the Kaini the Knizi the Kadmoni that's part of Yemot HaMashiach yes the promise will be kept and you will get what you're supposed to get but only in the in the future so you see that there's a theme about the conquest of Eretz Yisrael which is that there's a promise but you can't get the promise there's always a she'ifa in Eretz Yisrael associated with Eretz Yisrael there's always this idea that there's something else if I was only good enough if I was only clever enough if I was only able to if I was able to do things as they should be that I would be getting more of Eretz Yisrael and that's what the Midrash that's what the Midrash says oh my Rabbi Yitzchak Rabbi Yitzchak says this wonderful mashal Chazirta Raya Ba'asara this is a Chazir a Chazir which is sort of like um, what? I didn't hear a fork? a fork? no a Chazir is a live one it's live it's like the thing the Chazir this is what the Chazir now I'm not a big expert in this but Rabbi Yitzchak apparently knew and he says Chazir to Raya Ba'asar Raya it's a ro'eh, like a ro'eh zone. So the chazir uh, 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 takes around its progeny, even ten of them. But imarta, bechad, but an imarta. What's an imarta? An imarta is a sheep. Uh, a sheep. Imar is a sheep. Velo bechad goes around in a kind of a sanua manner in a, uh, uh, in a less obvious manner than the chazir the chazir runs around with all its little children but the keves, the kifsa leaves the children someplace and then goes to forage for, for food and comes back to, to its children so that for Rabbi Yitzchak for Rabbi Yitzchak the, the number 10 the number 10 means desire and hunger and, and conquest and, and even though I would say that the pshat in Rabbi Yitzchak is that even though God promised the land to B'nai Yisrael Kodesh Baruch Hu was worried 
that that Am Yisrael should maintain the proper ethical standards, the proper moral standards, and don't just get everything you want. And everybody who's had to bring up children knows that you have this, this is like a daily kind of a challenge. Right? Are you too liberal? Or are you too tough? Right? There's always a daily challenge. So according to Rabbi Yitzchak, there's a ethical value to not getting everything that you were promised. And that even though you were promised the land of ten tribes, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants you to understand that that promise will come in the future. There will be a future, and therefore you have to maintain yourselves as worthy. You can't just say, well, I was worthy when I came to Eretz Yisrael with Yoshua Benun, and that's enough. Now I can relax. I've got all my property. I've got all this territory. So I will relax. That's what the Medrash, that's what the Medrash says. Right? The two things that the Medrash says was, were that the promise is a promise, but it's for Yemot Mashiach. And the second thing is that Rabbi Yitzchak added, it was that there is an ethical component. There is something about the promise which includes making sure that B'nai Yisrael remain as they should remain. That's what the, that's what the measure says. Now what I'd like to do is look at the Ramban. And we're going in, in sort of a historical order, but uh, the Ramban is on the first page, and it's very long, so I give it to you. We'll have to start someplace other than the actual beginning. So if you look at line 30 in this Ramban, why did the Torah have to say this pasuk? What does the Torah, what does Moshe Rabbeinu have to always say? Of course, you have to keep the Torah, you have to keep the mitzvahs, you have to do the right thing. Of course we understand that all of these uh, promises are conditional upon doing the right thing. But they have to do, tell us to do the right thing over and over again. He says, Remember the story with Achan. He stole from the booty. Right? He stole at the time of Yeshua Benun. And that stopped the whole conquest of Eretz Yisrael. I mean, nothing could happen until Achan was discovered and punished. He says, the Rabban says, Kasher He's just one person. not going to be successful because of what Achon did. So why does the Torah have to tell us here, uh, watch yourself and do the business? It's kind of redundant. That's the question of the Rabban. 
אם כן, מה התנאי הזה? אשר יתנה בשלושת העממים האלו לבדם. So what is this condition? And why does this condition appear in the Torah about the three nations? Only about the Kaini, the Knizi. I mean, it doesn't say that in the Pasuk. But he says that, Im Yarchiv es Gvulechad. Rashi says, Kaini, Knizi, and Kadmoni. And that will only happen if you keep the Torah and do the mitzvot. But we know that. We know that it will only happen if you do, keep the Torah and do the mitzvot. So he says, I'm on Ryan 41, אם יחיב השם לוקח גבול אחד, כי תשמע את כל המצווה, והטעם בזה. So why does the Torah say, you want to get the extra three uh, pieces of land? You want to get the extra three nations? You better be from. Of course you better be from. You better be from about everything. So he says, הטעם בזה. כי היה רצון לפניו יתברך שינחיל אותם בימי משה ויהושע השבעה. God wanted to give them seven in the time of Yeshua Benun. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu was certain that Bnei Yisrael after 40 years in the desert would have the merit they would be meritorious enough to get the seven nations. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch said to them, you better do all the mitzvot that I gave you in order to get the seven, the territory of the seven nations. And then, God says, I'm so certain that you're going to get this that I want to tell you about the extra three arei miklat that you have to make on the west side of the Jordan. אבל על השלושה נשארים התנא. But on the other three, there's a תנאי, a condition, כי תשמעו את כל המצווה לאהבת השם ולכת בדרכיו. והוא לומר שיקיימו כולם כל התורה כולה. ואין שום מצווה תלויה בכך. זולתי שלוש הערים האלה. There's no other mitzvah in the world except for these three cities. The three cities Rashi told us are seven, eight, and nine. Right? There's three on the west side, three on the east side, and then seven, eight, and nine in this new territory. Now I'm on line 53. Etc. So what is it that the Ramban adds? What is it that the Ramban adds? He says that in the conquest of Eretz Yisrael, there's, there are good people and there are very good people. That in order to conquer Eretz Israel, the, the land of the seven nations, you have to have a nation of good people. You have to have schut. You have to have merit. But in order to conquer the Kani, the Knizi, the Kadmoni, oh, then you have to be very, very good. So that the Ramban, who certainly knows the Medrash, right? the Ramban knows the Breshit Rabbah, Right? It could be that the Ramban never heard me talk about this Shia. Right? But the Ramban knows the Medrash and Breshish Rabbah. I said, the Medrash and Breshish Rabbah says, this is the distinction. There's Olam Hazer, and then there's Yemot Mashiach. That's what the Medrash says. Along comes the Ramban, and I say the Ramban knew the Medrash, and he ignores the Medrash. 
And he says, no, it has to do with Yimot HaMashiach. It has to do with a step up. There's going to be a step up in the conquest of Eretz Yisrael. First you get seven nations, and you'll be good, good. but imagine to get eight, nine, and ten, you have to have schuyot. Now, the schuyot that came for the conquest of one to seven, as you know, were all accrued to B'nai Yisrael in the Midbar. And in the Midbar, even though they had trouble in the Midbar, but it was a lot easier to be from in the Midbar than it was to be from in Eretz Yisrael. Because in the Midbar, you don't have so many opportunities to watch television. Right? You don't. But in Eretz Yisrael, you have a lot of opportunities. So to be worthy, to live in Eretz Yisrael and to be worthy of the land of the Kani, the Knesi, the Kadmoni, that's a different kind of achievement. That's not an achievement in the desert with Moshe Rabbeinu telling you what to do, with Moshe Rabbeinu putting a stopper on any kind of new ideas about what we should do on our night out, right? That didn't happen in the Midbar. The Midbar, there was none of that. And since there was none of that in the Midbar, they accrued schuyot, it made sense, they came there to show they could get the seven nations. But HaKadosh Baruch what this is what the Rabban said, HaKadosh Baruch wanted Eretz Yisrael not to be the end of history, but a jumping off point to a better history, where the schuyot accrue to B'nai Yisrael in spite of the fact that they are in a real place, a real place that has a lot of distractions and a lot of odd things that might happen. So now if you turn over the, uh, turn over the page, I'll teach you the Meshachachma. Right, the Meshachachma, Rabbi Simcha, who was a rav in Dvinsk. Right, you know, Dvinsk was a small town, and it had a small Jewish population, and there were two rabbonim in Dvinsk. Rabbi Simcha Koyen. He was one of them. He was the Ashkenazim. He was the rov of the Ashkenazim. And the Ragachover was the rov of the Hasidim. The Ragachover was a Lubavitcher. Uh, he was the rov in the Lubavitcher Stiebel. So he had here a little town. Like there was nothing in this town. There were no cars. There were no planes. There were no people. There was nothing. And two of the greatest Rabbonim of all times was like sitting in this town. Rabbi Simcha. And the Ragachov. So Rabbi Simcha wrote a very important Sefer on Chumash. And that's what it's called, Meshech Chochma al Right? And in that Sefer, he talks about our problem. And our problem is, the Archiv, Kasher Nishbal Avotecha. Okay, the Archiv is not. Our posse, because our posse, I'm sorry, it is, it's our posse, exactly. That's what Marmeya Sifra is talking about. Our posse. So Marmeya Sifra says the Sifri, he calls the Sifri, the Sifri says something else, that B'nai Israel are never worthy of what they get, the bounty they get from, from, from Shamayim, but it's always Chutavot. And we're coming to Rosh Hashanah, you know. You know, remember that between Malchios and Shofaros, 
there are Zichronos. And you know that Zichronos is about, it's not me, but I, I have inherited good genes. That's what it's about, Zichronot. And maybe I'm, uh, you know, like a chutzpahnik. I have all these chutzpahs standing here before God and expecting something good to happen. But, after all, I have a great uh, lineage. I have wonderful ancestors. So the Sifri says, HaKol B'shut Avot, Asher Diber Latet Lavotecha, HaKol B'shut Avot. At the end of the day, the promise will be fulfilled. But according to this Sifri, it won't be fulfilled because you deserve it. They'll be filled because the Avos deserves it. Perusha. The Muchach Tashvu'ah Eina Machrachat Latetet Kol Ha'aretz Lahem Raki Tishvon Kol Ha'mitzvah Azot. So you see the Sifri says, or the, the Meshech Hochma explains that the promise, even though God promised to give it to us, but God promised it to a special group, a group that had shuyot. The muhach da shvua, the second line, einam machrachat latet et kol aretz lahem, the raki tishmoret kol mitzvah azot. Muhach de masha eino notein lahem agimel aratzot, keni knizi kadmoni, sheze edoma mo no muhavu gam kein, bishut avot. so he comes up with a new idea, the Meshachachma. The Meshachachma says it's true that God promised all of the land of Eretz Israel to the Avot. He says, but you have to understand that the promise to the Avot was because they were the Avot. But the promise to the Zera is conditional. You have to be worthy. Okay, you don't have to be exactly as good as the Avot, but you have to show that you inherited something. You can't just be a Chaya running around and expect to get what God promised to the Avot. So he makes a distinction. Even though the Pasuk it seems to say, the Pasuk seems to say, like you say, it doesn't matter what we are. We'll do whatever we want. But he says, no, that's not what the Pesach says. The Pesach says that even though the promise was made to the Avot, the Avot Taka would have gotten Eretz Yisrael. But you, if you come to claim Eretz Yisrael based on the promise that went to the Avot, you have to prove your connection to the Avot. You have to prove that you inherited something, that you learned something from them, that you are a person of Avot uh, 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 that you inherited the qualities of the Avot. That's what the Meshach Chochmah says. Now listen to this. He says, You know, this is sometimes the Meshach Chochmah. Meshach Chochmah is a big Tzioni. 
in those days, in those days, it didn't mean anything. But it's like an attitude. He was a big, he was a big coyote. So here he, he says something that you know you could hear if you if you if you go to a shul and the rabbi is a product of Merkas Harav. This is what he would say. But the Meshachachma said it first. Meshachachma said it first. This is what the Meshachachma says. Listen. If you ever went to someplace like Yom Ha'atzmaut and heard a drasha, you probably heard this drasha. I mean, this drasha in different forms. He says, He says, we all know that there are two kinds of redemption, of ge'ula. And this is based on the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Achat Bi'ita. The first kind of redemption is when it's supposed to be. Bi'ita u bizmana. Right? It comes. Shizeim lo zachu. If they did not, if they're not worthy. Az yitkayen vedruach a'avir. It was there is this idea, and it appears in the Hilchot Shuvah of the Rambam, that even though we have accepted an obligation to do tshuva, and even though we're spending a lot of time from now until Yom Kippurim thinking about how to do tshuva and what kind of tshuva to do, there's also another side to it, where the Torah seems to say in the parish of tshuva, in the Tzav in Paraglamid, right, in Paraglamid of Devarim, the Torah seems to say, that God promises us tshuva. That, that even if we can't do it on our own, we can't make it, we're constipated, too constipated to do tshuva, God says, we'll, I'll give you tshuva. I'll give you tshuva. That's what it says in the Chumash. So he says, One kind of ghoul of redemption is when its time comes. There's a time for redemption. That's what the that's what the, the Rabban says. Uh, the says, "Shezeh in lo zachu." This is if they were not superior, if they were not special, if they were not special people. They are nevertheless, in spite of the fact that they were not special people, there's going to be geula. The pasuk is that there's some kind of spirit. Tuma, Tuma means uh, uh, un, unacceptable. There's something unacceptable about you. But when the time comes for Geula, when the last time for Geula comes, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I will get rid of that Ruach HaTuma. V'gar ze'ev im keves. And he quotes that famous pasuk from Yeshayahu. The Gars Avens. Yes, Kev is about which there's a famous dispute between the Rambam and the Ramban. The Rambam says that it's a mashal. It doesn't mean that nature will change. It just means that politically things will be good for us. Right? We won't have to wake up every morning and hear about Syria and hear about Iran and hear about, you know, the Hezbollah. We'll, it'll be, everything will be fine. Who's going to make it fine? God will make it fine. And that'll be the gu'ula is bi'ita. When it must be. And so there's this idea that even if not, we're not worthy of gu'ula, there's a time that gu'ula is going 
to happen. And there won't be any longer uh, this, 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 uh, destruction and breaking. This, that's, that's Geula. That's Geula that comes when it must come. He says, there's another kind of Geula. And the other kind of gula is de achishena. What does achishena mean? I will hurry it up. It comes before its time. Before it should come. Vihi kasher yizku v'yedor shekulo zakai. And that will take place if the generation is entirely meritorious. If the generation as this tremendous chut, then Geula will come before the time of Geula. So the time of Geula is called Be'ita. There's a time. Geula will take place. We don't have to even worry about it. No matter what we do, we all run around and we work and we're busy and we, we don't have so much time to think about who we are and what we are and what we're doing. Geula will come. That's what the Gemara says. That's what the Meshachach explains. That's Be'ita. But if we could raise ourselves to the level of schut, of merit, then the Gula will be earlier than that. Achishena. Ve'hika she'yizku. Ve'yedoshikulo zakai. Az ye'olam keminago naheg. Ve'in e'in so he says, in combining all these ideas, the idea of the Ramban, the idea of the Medrash Rabbah, the ideas of Rashi, Allah comes to the Meshachah, and Meshachah says this, he says, you have a clear statement about Geula. In these psukim that say that if you are able to keep the Torah and the mitzvahs as you should, you will also inherit the land of the Kani and the Knizi and the Kadmoni. And what does that mean according to the, according to the Meshachachma? It means, look, if you don't do anything so radical or so special, so you're going to inherit the land of the Kani, the Knizi, and the Kadmoni. But when will you inherit it? Be'ita. Be'ita. In other words, according to the, the Torah, according to that Gemara and Sanhedrin, suffering and not being in a state of redemption has a limit. It'll, it'll end. It'll end if we don't excel. We don't try to improve ourselves. And we don't do more than we think we can do. But in all of those cases, Gula will come to us. And that's called Bi'ita. And when Bi'ita comes, we'll also get the land of these three nations. On the other hand, the Pasuk says, Ki tishmot kol ha-mitzvah azot la-sota, asher anochim etzavcha hayom, he says, but if you're able to produce a situation where 
Geula becomes the Geula of Achishena, then of course you get the you get the land of the three tribes or the three nations at the time of that Geula earlier than the Geula of Beita. So you see, I think that there's a difference between the Medrash and the Meshachachma. The Medrash said simply that the, there is a promise to Avram Avinu that takes place, that is accepted, or that is done when B'nai Israel come to Eretz Israel. And then there's another promise that takes place in the Yemot HaMashiach. In the Yemot HaMashiach. The Ramban says, the Ramban says, well, you know, if you're good enough, you'll get the other three tribes as well. And if you're not good enough, you're not going to get the other three tribes. What the Meshech added was teaching us that this is the way the Gemara understands it. That the Gemara's concept is that Geula, redemption, is a necessary end of history. That's what's going to happen. Either it'll happen because we make it happen, or it'll happen because HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes it happen. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes it happen sort of without us pushing too hard, that's called Be'ita. That's called Be'ita. And if we make it happen, that's called Achishena. Right, I'm pushing it. I'm, I'm pushing it forward. So here we have, you know, in modernity there is this question about whether we're allowed to push for Geula or if to sit back and wait for Geula to happen. So you see that the Meshechachma says, Meshechachma says, it's in the Chumash. Now the Chumash says that whoever can try to push for Geula should do it. And the Torah promises us that if we push for Geula, that we will be able, that we'll be able to inherit the land of the Keni, the Knizi, and the Kadmoni. Much earlier, Achishena, than we would have if we hadn't pushed for Geula and waited for Be'ita. Have a good Shabbos.